All right, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, looking at verses 13 through 16, and we're going to walk through it together. Um, This will be a passage you may recognize. This is one of the ones the Lord put on my heart, and I know it's for tonight. So let's read together. Uh, If you rise, we could read together in Matthew 5, uh, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. You may be seated. So you'd like to ask a question to get us thinking. So the question I want you to think about today is, will you embrace your mission? Will you embrace your mission? Will you embrace the calling that God has for you? Um, God is calling us to follow Jesus. He's calling us to be the salt and light of the earth. Now, I know many of us, there, there's many of us have different reactions when we read this passage. Um, so I want to talk about that a little bit. Some of us may feel some shame saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not really talking to Jesus about anybody, so when I hear this, it's like, oh, I'm failed again, right? Some of us may fear, feel some fear when we hear this. Um, you know, I don't know how to talk to people. I want to talk to people. I want to be the salt, but I'm not really not sure how. And then that leads, of course, to some shame. Some of you might be ambivalent or really don't care. You know, I failed all the time. What's another failure? Or, you know, I'm not really living for God, and I'm just kind of doing my own thing and doing the church thing, and that's about it. So, or maybe, you know what, I'm, I'm not the evangelist type. And we have all these different reasons. And, oh, I don't, and, and maybe for some of you, hopefully most of you, your prayer is, Lord, help me to be more salty. Help me to be a greater light. Right, Lord, that you would make that in me, even though I may be fearful, even though I may not know what to say, Lord, I, I'm here, use me. I mean, that be our prayer tonight. But those of you who are feeling some of those negative emotions, which I understand, I, I, I want to encourage you to push it aside for right now, and let's unpack the passage and see what it says, and then go from there. So before we, we jump into the passage we spoke about, there's a passage earlier um, in the chapter before in um, chapter 4, and it's 4, 18 through 22, and it says, and Jesus walking, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two more brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So here Jesus sees, comes across um, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and he calls them, come follow me and become fishers of men. Jesus was offering a life-changing opportunity to Simon, Peter, and Andrew. 
um, an opportunity to change, a life mission. He was offering to them. And they had a choice. They could say yes or no. But instead, they left everything behind, their boats, their nets, and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus goes walking along, and, he, and there's another two, one by the name of James and the other by the name of John. They're brothers, also fishermen, mending their nets. And Jesus says, come follow me. And they immediately left everything behind, even their dad, dad stuck in the boat, and they went and they followed him. Left everything behind for this life-changing opportunity, a life mission that God was leading them to. Many of us have experienced that life-changing opportunity. Jesus has come into our life. God has revealed himself to us, and we turn from our old ways, and we turn to God. And we start walking and following. And in the beginning, we don't really know what to expect, but we keep following. And if we were to look back now where we were when we started, at that time, we'd say, wow, I'm going to be here? That's crazy. That's where God leads us to when we follow and making that choice to follow, when we make that choice to embrace that mission. Will you embrace your mission? Maybe for some of you, this is new. Maybe a friend brought you and you say, you know what, I want to explore this Jesus stuff you're talking about. I want to get to know a little bit more. And maybe this is the mission that God is embracing you to follow, saying, I want to follow. I want to, like the disciples, leave stuff behind and get to know this Jesus person and embrace following Jesus. You know, in, in the early disciples, what it meant to be a disciple in the early days of the church in the first century, a disciple was one who would follow a teacher. And not just follow, oh, listen, oh, nice teachings. It was actually, it was the idea of you imitate. A rabbi in that first century, you'd imitate everything the person says. Their phrasing, how they say things, their mannerisms, like you would, you would, everything. You'd spend time with them. When they eat, you eat. When you, oh no, that's probably just youth group, I'd mention that. I was going to say poop and you poop, you know, but that's, that's probably not appropriate here. Um, I'm sorry. My wife says, you're 12. I'm like, I know, I'm sorry, I am 12. So, so I can't help it. So, so it's the idea of imitating Jesus in everything he does. That's the idea of a disciple. That's what it means to follow him. And other, the other thing is disciples would spend a lot of time with Jesus. They would follow wherever he goes, so they always hear from him. And as us, as disciples of Jesus, we're supposed to follow him and spend time with him. Some people say, I just go to church, that's good. No, that's not being a disciple of Jesus. I need to be connecting with him on a daily basis. I need to be communing. I need to be hearing from him. I need to be in his word and prayer and worshiping. And, and, and then looking at it and saying, how could I be more like Jesus today? That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not a good church person. No, Jesus calls us to be a follower. Will you embrace your mission of what God is calling you to do? For some of you, this may be, okay, I want to start this mission. I'm interested. Starting that today. Let's explore a little bit more about what it means to be fishers of men, the salt and light of the world. Let's go back to verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. In biblical times, salt had a number of uses. One of it, of course, we know is today. It's flavoring, right? You put some salt on food. Mmm, so good. 
right? Other, the, the main reason for salt in that day was a preservative. They didn't have fridges. They didn't have freezers. So if you were to have meat, you have to either cook and eat it that day or salt it up. And salted up, I'm guessing it's kind of similar to beef jerky. I don't know if anybody had beef jerky. It's my guess. I don't really know. But it's used to preserve food. I didn't go into that much detail. I just know it's a major preservative. So that, that's a major thing. And, and the word here when it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, the word here, flavor, um, is more understood as losing its strength, right? Losing its power to be salt, So if salt loses its power to be salt, if salt loses its power to preserve, it's useless. I might as well sprinkle dust on on the meat. It's still going to go bad. It's still going to spoil. Salt is supposed to remain, have its strength of what it's supposed to be. And I believe the understanding of preservative is, is a strong point here. That God calls us to be the salt of the earth. Those who help preserve. Those who help the world not spoil. Those who help, the, those who don't know the Lord to go to hell. We're supposed to preserve them, save them so they don't spoil. That is our purpose. We are the salt. The world needs us to do that. Without salt, meat spoils. Without Christians being salt, the world is lost. We're, we're, we have a necessity to be the salt, to preserve others, to bring the message of what God is calling us to do to follow him. You know, when we lose this ability to be the salt, we become useless, purposeless, An example of this might be, I choose not to follow what Jesus wants, but I want to live like everybody else. We lose our saltiness. When I just live as everybody else is living in the world, society, there's no difference. Well, I'm no longer salty, am I? Maybe it's compromising my faith. Or, or maybe it's like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet. I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I'm just going to be a super nice person. I lose my saltiness. The world is not preserved. The world gets spoiled in a bad way, spoiled. Or maybe sometimes I put other things or other people before Jesus. And I put other things as a priority and I lose my saltiness. I lose my strength because my strength is found in God and when I put him first, he strengthens me and moves through me. So this is essence saying that, that disciples, you cannot lose your saltiness. You are necessary for this world for the very purpose of being a preservative to bring people to the Lord. So the question is, will you embrace your mission to be the salt of the earth, to help preserve, to not shrink back, but step forward in that? To look and taste different, to follow Jesus and to speak about him. That is what he's calling us to do. Let's keep going. In Matthew 14, the first part of it, it says, you are the light of the world. So talked about we are the salt of the earth. Now the next analogy is we are the light of the world. The imagery here, we might think of a flashlight today. Uh, Maybe a lighthouse. I just pictured that. You might think of that. In biblical times, they would think a candle uh, maybe a torch, maybe the sun that rises in the sky, being um, 
being the light of the world, that you get that imagery. And in uh, Colossians 1.13, it's talking about Jesus here. For he, res- for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Here we're talking about being the light of the world. We know Jesus is the light of the world. We'll look at that in, one, in the next verse. But Jesus rescued us from the dominion of darkness. We were lost. We were in darkness. And Jesus shone his light and then rescued us and took us out of the dominion of darkness, ruled by Satan, and brought us into his kingdom, the kingdom of light. And as he moved us there, he calls us to be that same light. We're not God, don't, don't get me wrong. That's not what we're talking about here. But we're called to be a light like he is a light to those who are in darkness. Because here it says that Jesus is the light in verse John eight twelve. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the one who shone his light in so we would know who God is. So we would turn from our sin and turn to him. If not, we'd all be left in darkness. And because of what Jesus did, and he brought us in from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, he calls us to be those light bearers, to bear light, to shine. So people see, we're supposed to be shining radiant, not dull and in darkness. We're supposed to follow our leader in that. And the preceding verses talk a little bit about what it means to shine. The verses right before it says, you assault the earth, right, in chapter 5. It talks about the Beatitudes. And I'm going to go through them and see this. It said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means we realize our need for Jesus. We realize I'm sinful. I cannot get to heaven without Jesus. It's because he died on the cross for my sins that I have any hope of going to salvation. To, to go into heaven. There's nothing I could do to be good enough to get to God. I need Jesus. Nobody's better than me. I'm not better than anybody else. We're all equal. We all need Jesus. When we understand that when we're poor in spirit, we point people to Jesus. Then I said, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn over our own brokenness. Mourn over our own sin. Mourn over the broken world and those who don't know him. When we have a heart for this and heart for the things of God, we point people to Jesus. Blessed are the meek, those who are humble, those who are not all about themselves. Oh, look at me, I'm all spiritual, I'm so godly. And, oh, you're such sinners. No, that's not meekness. Meekness is I, I need God, I need him every step of the way, and I am like you, and we need a savior. And I want to humbly tell you how God changed my life. In doing that, we point people to Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for the things of God. Hunger and thirst for for the, the way God desires us to live. When we hunger for the things of God, we point people to Jesus. We let our light shine. Blessed are those who are merciful. Show mercy like Jesus showed mercy to us. Though we didn't deserve it, he still showed mercy to us. Mercy when, and forgiveness. If someone offends you and you show mercy to them when they don't deserve it, when you show love and forgiveness, they don't deserve it. What do we do by doing that? 
we point people to Jesus. Many of us think, that's not right, that's an injustice, I'll tell them. That's not what Jesus did. That's not, that's, that's not being the light, that's hiding your light. God calls you to follow him, to be the light, because we can point people to Jesus. Blessed are those who are pure, pure in heart. And this, this is where it all comes out of. Right, A heart that is hungering for God. heart that is grateful for God. Uh, all of our actions flow from a heart of gratitude of Jesus. Not being religious. Not being, I should live this way. But a heart that desires to live that way. And when it flows from that sweet communion with Jesus, it radiates. And people see it. And what do we do? Our light shines and we point people to Jesus. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. Not ones who are divisive, ones who are, are help healing relationships between one another. And also peacemakers between others and God. Because God has brought in peace between us and him because of our sin. We radiate the same way in our light and are peacemakers with others and help them to be peace with God. In doing that, in living that way, what do we do? We point people to Jesus. We are light of this world. Blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake. We don't understand persecution in this country. Other countries die for their faith, imprisoned, beaten. We get made fun of. Maybe we don't get the promotion. Maybe we don't fit in. Maybe we don't get invited to the parties or, or, or the occasions, oh, they're, they're not going to, I don't know. You know, and, and that, that's our level of persecution. Or if we share some Jesus with somebody, maybe there might be a response, oh, you know, Blessed are those if we keep walking in that and regardless, keep shining our light. Even in that persecuted, even when people make fun of us, what do we do? We point people to Jesus. So our actions need to show. It needs to overflow from a heart that is flowing and we point people to Jesus. It's not only our actions. Here in Romans 10, 14, it said, I'm gonna kind of explain it as we go through. But how can they call on him, talking about Jesus, to save them unless they believe in Jesus? So they can't call and say, Jesus, save me, if they don't yet believe. They have to believe first. Then it goes on. And how can they believe in him, talking about Jesus, if they have never heard about Jesus? So in order to believe, they have to first hear about it. If they never hear about Jesus, how could you believe in something you never heard about? And it goes on, it says, and how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how can they hear about Jesus unless we tell them the salt and light of the world? We need to be speaking. Some people think, I just be a good person and that will bring people to Jesus. That's an aspect of it. But God also talks us to speak. Tell others about the good things God has done in your life. Tell others the gospel, how Jesus saved me, how he changed me, how I don't deserve it. But he radically changed me. I'm a different person now. Tell them about what Jesus did on the cross and how he rose again from the dead. They can't believe if nobody tells them. So God is calling us to be the light and salt of the earth. Will you embrace your mission in pointing people to Jesus? in how you live, and how you speak. That is the mission God is calling us 
to do. If our goal is to point people to Jesus, who are the people we're supposed to point people? That's like a tongue twister. Who are the people we're supposed to help bring to Jesus? We'll put it that way. (laughs) Fantastic. It should be those around you, those you have an influence on, your friends, your families, your co-workers, people you come across, your sphere of influence, people you have relationships with. You have tons of time to build. You're, you're building a relationship. They get to see you radiate Jesus all the time. And in doing that, you have opportunities to talk a little bit about Jesus. Talk about, wow, I've been going through this, and I trust the Lord, and he helped me through this. He answered this prayer. It was crazy how it happened. Oh, it was awesome. Or you're going through that. You know what? I went through that too. And you know what? God really helped me through it. And let me tell you how that happened. You have opportunities. God gives you opportunities. Pray for opportunities. Pray that God would allow you to be more salty and a bigger light. That God would give you the words to say. God would give you the opportunities. And you would have the courage and boldness to step out and do it. Pray. Expect when you do, God's going to give it to you, okay? Because he does. Sometimes I remember one time praying and then, then all of a sudden it happened and I'm I wasn't expecting it. That was, that was foolish. Now I learn when you pray, expect it. God said, I heard you. And he'll do it. He'll do it. So Jesus also ministered to people around him, right? He ministered to the people he met, the disciples, of course. We know he traveled with disciples. Um, the religious leaders he ministered to. Uh, the poor, the broken. He ministered to them. Jesus also ministered to those who were rejected by religious society. He ministered to the tax collectors, the drunkards, the prostitutes, the brawlers, you know, two disciples, sons of thunder. That, that would be in that mix, right? He even hung out with them at their houses and maybe some of the shady areas. I don't know, how do you talk to a prostitute? You got to be in a shady area. Jesus His purpose is to be a light and to go where people need him that feel rejected by the church, feel rejected by the religious institutions that would never come near it. What does Jesus have to do? He has to go. He had to go. And it's interesting, God has placed each of you in positions in society, in your workplace, to be the light. God's like, glow, you're there, glow, shine my light. That is your mission. I've placed you there and the relationships I have on purpose. Maybe a relative has been praying for that person to come to salvation and you are one of the people that they prayed for. The guy's like, okay, I'm going to shift this one right here. Go. And that's your mission. <laughs> I'm a little visual. It's kind of, that's just the way it goes. I'm going to read to you uh, Matthew 11, 19. talks a little more about this. Uh, the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. They call Jesus a glutton and a drunkard. Jesus of all people. Why? Yes, he hung out with them. He hung out with the drunkards. He hung out with the tax collectors. He hung out with the sinners. Guilt by association. That's what they think. But did Jesus sin? No. 
Gives their shine a light. Now, if you are tempted, if you start hanging out with people and you, it, you like, it's, oh man, I can't resist the temptation. It's too much for me. Okay, then choose maybe not to go in those situations. Choose at workplace to minister and keep it at that. I don't want to, you don't want to cause somebody you to stumble or fall. If you're an alcoholic, you do not try to minister to your friend at the bar. That's not a good place. It sounds funny, but sometimes we feel this religious pressure. Like, God says I have to be salt and light, so I, I, I must go, I must go. I know, God's gonna, okay, please, please, I don't wanna be. Don't put yourself in those situations. God didn't tell you to put yourself in a situation. God says, I put people around you, just talk to them. Okay? So I just wanna, I just wanna do that disclaimer. Let's keep reading, there's another verse I wanna show you. In verse, uh, Luke 19, verses five through seven. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of the notorious sinner, they grumbled. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Does Zacchaeus need to know God? So I should avoid him because he's a notorious sinner. No, Jesus welcomed him. Zacchaeus, hey! You know, if, if Jesus, you got to understand, why would people who are in these situations that are not living for God, like, did you know they actually like being with Jesus? Because he's welcoming and loving. He didn't participate in those things, but he's welcoming and loving. Interesting. Did you know a tax collector was a crook? Let me just put it that way. He was a thief, a robber. I'll give you an example. Like, if the, the tax was $50, he would say, you know what? You owe me $200. He takes the $200. Even if they're poor, even if they sell their donkey, take the $200, pockets the $150, and gives the $50 to Rome. They would steal. He was a crook. And Jesus is hanging out with a crook. He's going into the house. He's hanging out with a bunch of crooks because a bunch of tax collectors were meeting together. It's like, it's like me going with the mobsters, right? I'm Italian, so you figure, so I'm going in with the mob, and I'm preaching Jesus to them. What are people going to say about me? Pastor Lou's a mobster. He's gangster. That's what they're going to say. <laughs> that's, a, that's a mission trip joke. It's, I, had to, I had to throw that in there. Jesus hung out with crooks. He hung around with those that the, the religious rejected. Jesus is calling us to be a light. Jesus is calling us to be different than church people. Wait, did I just say that in church? Jesus is calling us to be different than church people. I can't hang out with that. I can't talk to that person. Do you know what they are? How many church people say this? I can't, I can't do that. And it, well, if I do, what will the other church people say about me? They'll call you a drunkard and a, a glutton, a sinner, right? It says it's just like Jesus. That would be a badge of honor. You should be jumping for joy if they call you that. Because you're going to be a light. You're trying to follow what Jesus did. Today, the church shuns and condemns. There's many shunned and condemned by the church. What if I go and talk to a liberal? 
we're a conservative here. I can't talk to liberals. And bring the gospel, can I? Just don't talk politics. Stay out of politics, please. It's a smart way to do it. But you bring the love of Jesus. Another area is the gay or transgender community is shunned. We need to shine our light of love to them. We need to build relationships to get to know them. Do you know what they're going through? Do you know what they're struggling with? Do you know what they're feeling? Do you know how hated they feel by the church? Hated. And how hated they feel by God because the church says they're hated by God? Does God love them? You bet. Does God love me? Yeah, and I'm a sinner too. Sin is sin in God's eyes. See, our goal is to shine our light to Jesus so they come to know Jesus. Jesus changes the sin heart, and then the Holy Spirit produces the fruit after that. You don't even say, you're a sinner. Is that what I'm supposed to do? Walk up, you're a sinner. Then I should go to everybody. I say, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. You're all going to hell. (laughs) You bring Jesus. You bring his love. You bring his truth. Pray for God to give you wisdom when they ask you those difficult questions about what the Bible says about all that. Do some research beforehand. Shine your love. Talk to people who have ministered. Talk to other fellow believers. What do I say? What do I do? You know, if Jesus was on the earth today, where would he be? He would be go visiting all those areas. He'd be in the gay community, right? He'd be in the bars. He'd be in a gay bar talking to people. Some of you, this is like shocking that I would even say something like this. But if you understand Jesus' heart for people, and you understand that Jesus desires people to know him, to know the love of God, to receive the forgiveness, to be transformed from the inside out, you would know that that's where he would be. And he loves people. So don't be like church people. Try to be like Jesus and shine your light of love. Let's see what the next verse says. Matthew five fourteen Talked about, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So if we're the light of the world, and here's, here's the next analogy. We are a city on a hill, set on a hill that cannot be hidden. In biblical times, if you could picture a big hill and a city on top, and everything else would kind of roar around it, if you're walking far away, you'd see because it's on a hilltop. But during the daytime, in biblical times, um, when Jesus, is, Jesus in the first century, most of the cities were made of white limestone. So in the daytime, the light would shine on it, and it would just radiate. And everywhere you'd see, it would just be glowing. So from far away, and this, oh, that thing is bright. Oh, yeah, the city's over there. Right? We're supposed to be like that city that can't be hidden, that we just, whoo, oh, yeah, that's, wow, they're really radiating Jesus. Oh, they're so loving. I like, I like that person. There's something different about it. We're supposed to be radiating. And at nighttime, what happens? They all light their little lamps, and, and the whole city is about to glow. And so you're from the wilderness where they're, or in the, in the rural part of it, and you're looking out, you see this big glow. Oh, that's where the city is. We're supposed to be like this city. We're supposed to be obvious. 
Our actions are supposed to radiate. Our heart and love for people are supposed to radiate. Our words of affirmation are supposed to radiate. Our words about the gospel are supposed to radiate. It should be obvious. If it's not obvious, then you're hiding your light. You're not embracing your mission. We're called to be obvious, and that's what it's talking about here. Then it's emphasized here in verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. It goes on here, and in, in the biblical times, there would be a one-room house. That's usually standard what it would be. And they would have a stand in the middle, and they'd have a lamp on it. So it would just give it radiate and give light to the whole thing, to the whole room. So you wouldn't just put a basket over it because then it's like, Mm, can't see anything. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you could picture when, like, we get a blackout and there's no lights whatsoever, no glows of electronics or anything, um, and you have, like, those lantern things or a flashlight, it's like, whoo, you wouldn't hide it because then it'd be pitch black. You can't see a thing, especially in a storm when there's no moonlight. It's really dark. But it makes no sense. You don't hide your light. And the same way as Christians, we're not supposed to hide our light. We're supposed to let it radiate out from the darkness so it could shine in. We don't keep it under a bowl. We're supposed to shine so that others in spiritual darkness would see Jesus. Because when we hide it, they don't see Jesus. When we cover up, when we don't speak about him, they don't see Jesus. We need to speak about it. Will you embrace your mission? God is calling you to be a light and not to hide it. Not to live like the world and hiding it. Not to um, kind of keep quiet and not speak out. God is calling you to be a light. It's kind of like this. This is a flashlight that's not turned on. I have it blackened. So if we choose not to be a light, they don't see Jesus. Do you see Jesus there? You see Jesus? Jesus right there. You see him on the screen? You might be thinking that. That, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the screen. Do you see Jesus? No. I'll show you. He's right there. Do you see Jesus? Anybody yet? Why don't you see Jesus? No light. Nobody's shining a light, right? You have to turn on the light to see Jesus. We need to be a light because when we decide to hide our light, when we decide not to follow Jesus, we decide not to live as he called us to be. We decide to live like the world. We decide to keep quiet. They don't see Jesus. And if they don't see Jesus, they'll never know him. We need to allow our actions and our words to flow out so that they see Jesus. This is your mission, to point people to Jesus, to shine your light so that they see Jesus. And in verse 16, it emphasizes this point. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It says, let your light shine. It's emphatically, it's let your light shine. Like it's, let your light shine before all men. Let your relationship with Jesus shine. Let your obedience to Christ shine. Let your edifying, encouraging, and uplifting words, instead of being negative and critical, 
shine. Let the gospel message of Jesus come out of your mouth and shine. He says, let it shine. He says, let your lights so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works, right? They're going to see your good works. They're going to see you be a light like Jesus is a light. It's going to flow out. And as a result, they will glorify the Father in heaven. They're going to get to see Jesus. And they have that point as a choice. Do I want to embrace it or not? And if I had a light bulb illustration, I would do that. I forgot it upstairs. So we're going to go with it here. If I had an extension cord and a light bulb, I plug it in. I plug this in, what happens? It glows, right? So if the extension cord is Jesus, the plug is the source of the Father, electricity is the Holy Spirit going through it. When I'm depending on the Holy Spirit and I'm living for Jesus, my light shines. When I decide not to, when I decide to kind of live as myself, I don't shine. God is calling us to be plugged into the Holy Spirit, to rely on him, and he allows us to shine. Some of you say, you know, I'm not really plugged in. Well, then plug back in. Anytime. God, forgive me. Um, Lord, help me to come close to your presence. Help me to follow you. You know, it's really important as a believer, I can't shine unless I'm connected to the Holy Spirit. If I'm, if I'm not communing with him daily, I can't shine. If I'm not in his word and praying and giving him praise and adoration, if I'm not thanking him every day, if I'm not confessing my sins, if I'm not drawing near to Jesus and reading my Bible and communing and worshiping with him every day, I can't shine. So maybe your first step, if that's the case, is you need to get in the word, be praying, communing with the Father daily so that you could shine. Will you embrace your mission to be the salt of the earth that you would use a preservative to help people from spiritually spoiling? Be the light of the world. Let your actions and your words shine out and go forth. Not hiding it, but being bold and out there. Living as a city on a hill that it's so obvious that people will see you. You just be glowing. And if you embrace this mission, there may be some changes. It may be If you haven't had a time with God daily, you start that. Maybe you need to cut some things out in your life. Maybe you need to start reaching out to others who you normally ignore. There may be some changes if you're choosing to embrace your mission. It's a choice. Choose today to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, in a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Let me pray with you. Dear Lord, we praise you and thank you, Lord God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Lord, help us not to shrink back. But help us to boldly walk and follow you. Lord, I want to pray for anybody who's fearful that you would strengthen them. Give them the courage to speak. Holy Spirit, I ask for discernment on when to speak and when to be quiet when to show the love of Christ, and when to speak. Lord, that you would lead us and put on our heart people that you desire for us to speak to. 
Lord, and if we're not shining our light, Lord, that we may become in sweeter communion with you. If that's the first step, Lord, draw us greater into your presence. Give us a greater hunger for your word and through prayer and for worship that you would draw us there. We need you, Father. Lord, forgive us for those times that we've shrunk back. Forgive us for those times when we decide not to act like the salt and light of the world. Lord, I thank you that you are loving and forgiving. Lord, embolden us. Help us to embrace your mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.